Welcome to Passports and Pizza, a podcast about everything by two carb-loving, carry-on-only gals. I'm Laura, a traveler and teacher with an appetite for adventure. And I'm Sarah, an artist and food blogger who travels mainly for the food. Join us as we dive into anything and everything that's on our plates and on our minds. Boom. <laughs> Here we are again. We literally recorded like three days ago, so I feel like... <laughs> What's new, Sarah? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, we're recording this on New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, saying goodbye to 2020 with lots of cocktails. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have like all the cocktails that we couldn't have out at the bar this year. Exactly. <laughs> we have to make up for lost time. Mm-hmm. You know. Should we get right into salty sweets? Yeah. Okay. So my sweet is that. I love my cat. (laughs) This is like a forever sweet, but, you know, parents always think their kids are like the smartest, cutest kids, but I actually do think I have the cutest kitten in the entire world. I mean, as a non-cat lover, I will say that he's one of the coolest cats. I just, he's like my emotional support buddy. Like (laughs) today and over break, it's just been so nice that I'll be working on my laptop and he'll just, he loves to lean and he loves Mm -hmm. to cuddle and he's a lap cat and he'll, he's just so trusting. And Mm -hmm. I feel like having him has made me like be a little bit more of a caretaker, (laughs) but this sort of like un- unconditional love that pets give people like i've always loved pets cats dogs like everything but Mm -hmm. having your own pet is a special connection and i feel like i just look at him and i'm like oh yeah there are so many times i'll be in the kitchen with gilmore and he just like sits and i'm like how are you so cute like all you have to do is sit and you're adorable and I have to like lean down and like grab his face and like kiss him on the head. I know. Cause he's so cute. <laughs> I just feel like, I don't know. I, it's just made me really appreciate, you know, in this really crappy time that there's a little nugget of love in my house at all times, <laughs> even though he's not here right now. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's been really nice. And I think that he's made our house a home. Oh, that's know? nice. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I think he's a mama's boy, so... Oh. He likes Luke. He likes to hang with Luke, but I think he mm-hmm. likes girls. Yeah? <laughs> like, he'll sit next to a girl over a guy. That's More funny. Likely, but, you know. Oh, Gilmore's yeah. the opposite. Yeah, that's true. Gilmore's sexist. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't respect women. But <laughs> He's a little distrustful of women, that's true. Yeah. It takes him some time to warm up. Yeah, but he, he is a lover. He's sweet. Uh-huh. Should I do my my salty? Yeah, go for it. Okay. <clears throat> well, my salty is a tale as old as time, which is I've been stress eating. Like the last couple of days I've had the realization that I have to return to work. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like this persistent anxiety of like, oh my God, like your budget's due the first day back. You should probably work on that. No, I don't want to work on that. And it's like mm. all these like thoughts. And I've been just coming to the kitchen and because there's a million cookies and sweets and chips and things we don't normally have in the house, I am just Mm -hmm. snacking like it's my job and Mm -hmm. I know I'm doing it. Yeah. But I just like, I don't know, I can't help myself. And I've been eating pretty healthy as far as the fall goes, but the last week alone Mm -hmm. has been disturbingly like bad as far as eating like healthy choices go there's no like bad foods there's no good foods i get that but i mean 
I'm just choosing really comforting uh, sugary foods that yeah. don't make me feel good. <laughs> like yeah. I eat it and it tastes good at the time, but I'm going to be like on the couch being like, why am I so cranky? Right. Why do I have a stomach ache? <laughs> and I still do it. And I know it's because I'm like anxiety about work stress, which is so mm-hmm. silly because I'm not even at work, but <sighs> yeah, I hate it. I feel like I've begun to just kind of embrace this time of the year as being like, this is when I just eat a lot of cookies. Yeah. But then like by the end of the year, I actually am like tired of it. Yes. And then I can jump headfirst into the like the fresh new year if like, okay, now I want to eat healthy. And so it's like, you know, there's a season for everything. True. Right now is the season for cookies and having way too much like snacky stuff in your house. But then you just have to eat it all to get rid of it. Yes. And then do your best to not replace it. And then like, and then, yeah, I feel, I usually get to a point where my body actually doesn't want that stuff anymore. Exactly. And I feel like, get to that point. I feel like when, I feel like after tonight. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. Once you hit January 1st, it's like, yeah, it's a whole new ball game. I also just think after tonight, I'm just going to toss anything I haven't eaten. I don't need it. I've had, you know, like the time's done anyway, but (laughs) I've just been very aware of my stress eating and it doesn't make me feel good because I know I'm paying for it. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, just like my mood swing, like my, like, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster Mm -hmm. of like highs and lows. Suddenly I want to nap. All of a sudden I like have all the energy in the world. It's just not how I normally feel. Right. So anyway, it's time to toss the cookies. Not really, not like that, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So cats and cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, my salty is that I just had a follow-up appointment with my eye specialist about my eye. Oh no, the eye saga. (sighs) So the eye saga continues. It's not all bad news. Um, So like I'm currently on two eye drops right now. And so this was like a check-in to see how they were doing. And the one was a steroid drop, and I have to stop that completely because my eye pressure was elevated. So apparently I'm one of like 20% of people who reacts that way to steroids. And I guess that's something I now have to know. Like any time a doctor wants me to take any kind of steroid, I have to be like, I'm one of those people whose eye pressure goes like berserk. That's weird. Yeah. So I'm not allowed to take that one anymore. But the other one, I guess, is just kind of like an allergy antihistamine drop. And um, the good news is that the doctor did notice improvement in my condition. That's good. So that drop is working. The bad news is that drop takes a while to work. So she was Mm. like, don't hate me, but I want you to keep doing these drops for like a few more months. And you're like, no. (laughs) And it's a drop I have to take four times a day. So it's not the worst thing in the world. And I'm glad that she did see improvement. Yeah. But the problem is I can't try wearing my contacts again until my eyes look like 100% healed. So now it's just a matter of a waiting game to be like, okay, how long is it going to take for these drops? But like, I'm looking at at least a couple more months of wearing my glasses before I even try to wear my contacts again and see how it goes. So 2021 is still, I'm still enrolling the like granny librarian look, but it is what it is. At this point, I don't even remember what you look like without I know. your glasses. Nobody so. does. <laughs> Sometimes I see myself in the mirror without it. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
So anyway, I'm just glad that she saw some improvement because yeah, I was afraid I was going to go in because the way my eyes felt, I thought like she's going to be like, yeah, these look the same. So I was at least glad that they didn't look the same. Yeah. Im- improvement's a good thing. Yeah. No matter how slow it is. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but my sweet is Bridgerton on Netflix. Okay. Tell me about it. Okay. haven't watched it yet. All right. So I think- I've heard great things about the soundtrack. Yeah. So um, yeah, I didn't even realize until my friend Kelsey started watching it because um, I told her about it. But yeah, there's like classical renditions of contemporary songs in it, like uh, Thank You Next yeah. and stuff. But anyway, I think I must have seen a trailer for this on TikTok or something that I didn't even watch the whole trailer. I saw a snippet and I was like, I'm sold. <laughs> I'm watching this immediately. And I was like, this is perfect for my little like winter break off yeah. of work. Like I'm planning to relax and watch Netflix a lot. Like I'm going to binge this show. So basically, I guess it's based on a book and it's set in like London high society. So like when these like young women are being like presented to like find themselves a husband, which is so insane. Because also I think these women are like 15 or 16 years old. Basically babies. Being like paraded around for these older men because the men don't look for wives until they're much older than these women who are looking for husbands. Oh, you know, so that's how it is. But so it's like that kind of thing, but also like sexy, (laughs) which is like fully my jam. Like I'm obsessed. And it's also, so it's a Shonda Rhimes show. I was going to say, that's what I know. It's by Shonda Rhimes. I know the soundtrack's Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. That's all I know. And it's like a fairly diverse cast. Like they made it more diverse than like it would have been actually at the time. It's not just a white people's story. Yeah. Like the queen is black. Oh, or it. she's at least like not white. Yeah. I, I might be like mislabeling her by calling her black, but yeah, she's not white. Um, and the Duke is not white. So like all, and they yeah. kind of explain that it's not just one of those like, Oh, we have people of color, even though that wouldn't be a <laughs> right. thing. Right. Um, but yeah, it's very sexy. And I think I saw, I saw some TikTok where this woman was talking about it and she's like, guys, are you watching Bridgerton? Cause like, I think it's pornography. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I got a couple friends watching it so far. And like, That's I was funny. texting with Abby about it the other night and she was like, Oh my God, I just watched this scene. I was like, girl, <laughs> wait until the next episode. But yeah. Oh, man. So I'm just, it feels like a little gift from Netflix to me. Cause I'm like, this is exactly what I want. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, now I feel like I feel like I've been in a dry spell in terms of television shows. Mm, you gotta so watch it. That'll be next. Mm-hmm. That'll be next. And then plus, I'm listening to that Pride and Prejudice podcast. Yeah, you're living your period dreams. I am. Like, <laughs> yeah, I love it. So perfect. Yeah, that's fun. Awesome. <laughs> well, well, we're gonna do. <laughs> A big old Negroni episode. We are. We've been waiting for this since yeah. like last year. Yeah. We last did the old season, fashioned episode. Which was which so fun. Sarah led pretty much through her mm-hmm. research. So it's my turn. Yeah. I'm going to teach y'all about the Negroni. I didn't have to do anything to yeah. prep for this episode. It's very relaxing. This is also the first recipe in my Cooking My Way Through Italy. Right, which we will link to. Yes, which I've now titled Roaming Italy. Thank you to oh. Carly. Oh my gosh, Carly, I know you just got married. I forget your I forget your new name. Anyway, her her um tag on Instagram is Flare by KD. Um mm-hmm. 
So we'll link her. Well, she basically came up with the idea, and I was like, "Oh yeah, duh, <laughs> blog name." Um, so yeah, yeah this will be my That's first fine. recipe for it, and yeah. I'll have a post that'll be out the same day that this episode comes out. So, okay, cool. Sort of like a follow nice. up if you want to get into it. So. Yeah, and we also have a special guest for yes. this portion. <laughs> The only Italian-speaking person in my in my life <laughs> also happens to be my boyfriend. Yeah, Luke so, will be joining us. Yes, who has shared many a Negroni with me. So mm-hmm. we're gonna do five. Yeah, Negronis. We're not variations. We're not each gonna have five full drinks. No, 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 no. But we are going to taste five different Negroni variations. Yes. So by the end, we will have a full experience. Yes. Of and what I'm a sure is. we will be fully tipsy. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so we're going to record everything else first. Yeah. <laughs> so if you notice the shift, yeah. This That's is why. how we're spending our New Year's Eve. Yes. We are being productive for the podcast, but also having lots of fun. Yeah. And so, getting a little drunk. Can you as blame you us? Do. <laughs> All right, well, cue music. Here we go. (laughs) It's Negroni o'clock. Please welcome Luke John Topping to the table. Drinking Negronis with my homies. (laughs) There you go. All right, so I'm going to take y'all on a journey. Through the Negroni. All right. So first, um, I want to share our Negroni experiences as we take our first sip of a classic Negroni. We're going to take a cheers to a classic Negroni first. Okay. Here we go. Cheers. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Luke, why don't you share your Negroni experiences first? My Negroni experiences? Yeah. When was your first Negroni? I was actually introduced to them through... Anthony Bourdain, like many other good things in my life. Um, I don't know. He just made a big deal about him in the one episode where he went to Rome, I think. And I had never heard of him and had never had one the whole time I was there as a student. So, so Bourdain? That's where I heard about him. Did you have him. one when you know. studied abroad? Or? No, I'm saying I spent all that time, never even heard of it. And I mm-hmm. saw that in the show. I was like, wow, we got to try this. And I forget, maybe we had... Our first one in Italy, I'm not sure, but I know where we definitely fell in love with them. At least I did. Was at Luca. Yeah, like we would start getting oh. them there. So you yeah. guys didn't drink them a lot when you guys first went to Rome together. We did. I remember you ordering them. I would order Aperol spritz. Yeah, and you he were would definitely. Get yeah. You definitely had the spritzes a lot that yeah. summer. Yeah. I think that so, was the, right. That's when spritzes really took hold. And I would yeah. have a Negroni if I was wanting something a little bit stronger. Yeah. But that really became solidified at Luca, where it was like I was basically getting a Negroni or Al Antica to start because a spritz. Didn't it just goes down do too it. easily. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. So for anyone who really doesn't know, why don't you tell us what is the Negroni? Just the basic okay. uh, so recipe. Basic, ne- basic classic Negroni is one part Campari, one part sweet vermouth, and one part gin. And then you add an orange garnish. Mm. That's it. It's a bartender's favorite because it's just one to one to one. Makes Stir it easy. Stir it up in a, you know, a cocktail Mm-hmm. Um. Oh my God! What are they called? Mixing glass? mixing glasses, mm-hmm. and then strain it. Boom. Oh, you mean okay. like the beautiful one Sarah got us for Christmas? Hey, <laughs> you're welcome. Like we have not glass. literally made a cocktail okay. yet without that. Well, yeah. So it's one one one, and then one thing I've learned is that um, it is very like bitter forward with the Campari and everything. Mm-hmm. So 
a magical part of the whole process is the uh, melting of the ice, which sort of mm-hmm. dilutes the like. So it is face. normally served with ice. Yes. Okay. Should be served with ice, and you should let it kind of sit a little bit, mm. let it dilute mm-hmm. into the flavors, so that way you can taste more of like the citrusy stuff, mm-hmm. as opposed to the super in-your-face bitterness that is Campari. So, um, yeah. Okay. I will also say just another anecdote. Um, the person that I lived with, Alex, when we were in Rome, a friend of ours visited and brought a bottle of Campari and it <laughs> sat on our <laughs> counter for two months. Cause we had no idea what to do with it. Yeah. As college it was just, kids, yeah, yeah. We're like, we drank all this wine and beer and we're like, Campari, God, I don't know. Just leave it there. <laughs> and it tastes <laughs> awful by itself. So. Mm. I love Negroni so much Especially now, if you're so. drinking fruity drinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's ironic. What about you? Have you ever had a Negroni, like a Negroni experience? Uh, not really. I think you guys probably introduced me to them because you guys are drinking them a lot. Um, I never really cared for them. They are too bitter forward for me. But I know what it was for me. It was when the foundry was still in Lebanon. Mm. They had a barrel-aged Negroni there. And so I guess I was just feeling crazy one night and I ordered it, <laughs> but then I loved it. And so that it was, they had it on their menu for like the winter season and I kept coming back for that. And then a friend of ours was a server there and I was like pestering him about like, tell me what exactly this recipe so I can buy this stuff. But I think they actually like got all the ingredients and barrel aged it themselves um, which is something I do want to do where you get like the gin, mm-hmm. the Campari, the sweet vermouth, and then you can get your own little mini barrel and put it in there. No, that's a real thing. And age it. Yeah. Cause then, and then you can just have this bottled ready to go cocktail yeah. on your shelf. Like, cause you all have to taste it and pull it out when you're yeah. ready. But so then I started making them at home just using barrel aged gin for the gin. And I like that a lot better because that yes. the barrel aged gin has we'll more of like, later. which we will be having. Um, has more of like a whiskey flair to it. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, the Campari is a bit much for me, but the Campari with the normal gin, because yeah. I don't always love gin. So it's like, it's like, I'll enjoy a couple of sips of this, but I would never order it for myself. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I definitely felt like I leveled up in life when I moved from Aperol Spritz to ordering like Negronis. Mm-hmm. Felt like a big move. Also, the Horsen makes a great like variation on the Negroni. I forget the name of it. In mm-hmm. Lancaster. Uh, anyway. So I do want to taste this before it gets really melted and diluted down. So before we get into the history of the Negroni, it's important to note that the Negroni is literally just a boozier spinoff of an Americano. Okay. Americano is one part Campari, one part sweet vermouth, and then topped with soda water with an orange garnish. So all they did was add gin. Okay. To make it a Negroni, but the okay. Americano is actually older and the more traditional cocktail. Can we cheers this one too? Cheers, yes. Cheers to the Americano. Americano as Americans. So it's a little fruitier. Okay. Sweeter. Yeah. I think it's a more approachable mm-hmm. cocktail, you know? It's a little less um, syrupy and mm-hmm. less medicinal, but those are things that I like in the Negroni. Yeah, like, I like that the yeah. Negroni is that strong and kind of um, pungent when you're drinking it. It makes you sip it. Um, I Before we get too far away from this in the podcast, I do have to say, beware the barrel. <laughs> beware the barrel? <laughs> because Jake was given a little mini barrel like that to <laughs> yeah. barrel age different, uh-huh. you know, and... 
What happened? I mean, now Jake was in college at this time. I'm sure you could get a better barrel. You could do it. Like, it could be amazing. But Jake just basically created this whiskey that just tasted terrible, you know? And, and but then whiskey's had, already barrel aged. But it's, he to, had take, to, it's more. to add more oak. It's to take it to that next level, oh, okay? See, I think that was his mistake. And I don't think he just did whiskey. There was a variety of alcohols that passed through this barrel. Okay. But the final thing that he left in there was left in so long <laughs> and then transferred into a jar like that's, made. that's now known as the rust bucket. And oh. it can quote unquote clean any hole. <laughs> So, Jake. So, just be aware. Like, it can get really strong. Okay. And, like, I don't know. It just. Something his, his tells experiment... me Sarah would care for her. Yes. Yeah. His, his experiment. I followed directions. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Just saying, yeah. We have had some tragic experiences with it. So, okay. the history of the Negroni is part of my um, roaming Italy project I'm doing. So, um, I have a blog post out that goes into detail explaining the history of the Negroni, but let's talk about Campari first, okay? Campari, blood red, ruby red, beautiful. Mm-hmm. But isn't it red because it has dye in it? Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, well, actually, I don't know that because the Campari like secret mm. recipe is very well guarded. In fact, there's only two people that actually know the exact recipe, so... Mm. okay. Although I'm sure red dye is probably a part of it. But anyway, Campari actually predates his, the historical like unification of Italy. So um, it actually was around 10 years before the unification of the entire country in 1870. Mm. So it was named after Gaspare Campari, <laughs> <laughs> who um, founded the brand. And the Campari company was formed in Novara, which is 30 miles west of Milan. Um, anyway, so, oh, I'm wrong. There's only three people that know the recipe today. Okay. Very well guarded. Some claim that the liqueur has 80 ingredients, which is mind-blowing. Wow. Um, but anyway, it's closely guarded. Um, but there is a symbolic thing with Campari in Italians. Apparently, it's supposed to symbolize the unification from the north and the south um, because of the Sicilian oranges involved as well as the like northern milan uh different like nods and flavors and ingredients used in it so su- it's supposed to be like a unification of mm. the two worlds of italy okay again no one really knows the details of what's in it but because it has <laughs> ingredients from all over italy yeah even though it was made 10 years prior to it being yes united. yes yes <laughs> anyway so and I and that's part of Campari's legend. Yeah, that so, sounds like good Italian history. That sounds like a branding story that they yeah. tell people. But you know, yeah. All right. So the Negroni recipe is three equal parts of Campari, vermouth, and gin. Um, and I was like, okay, but Americano came first. Who was the person who added gin? Right? Like, yeah. Who is it? Which alcoholic right? decided to do that? Well, I'll tell you, there's some drama. Okay. I'll spill the tea about Negroni, okay? <laughs> are you ready for this? I'll see you guys later. <laughs> so, there are two aristocrats named Count Negroni. Aristocrats or Aristocats? Where's Vinny? <laughs> aristocrats. <laughs> You know, I did say homie and Negroni. So yeah, I can, <laughs> come I, on. I guess I'm here. Okay, All wait. Right. So, so there's two hoity-toity 
snobby counts uh-huh. named Negroni. Okay. Who claim ownership of creating the cocktail. Are they related? No. Two very different dudes. So most mixologists have this like tall tale of Count Negroni, who was this sort of like boozy top hat, handlebar mustache sort of <laughs> dude who um, in the 1920s in Florence, like Count Negroni would come into the bar and he just would always order his Americano boozier with gin. Okay. So that's sort of, he was like this cowboy figure. Like he traveled all around. He brought the Negroni to the U.S. Mm. Um, he was a gambler. He's like a very tall tale sort of figure. Mm-hmm. So it's like the, the Italian Johnny Walker. Kind right? of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Johnny Walker is a real person. I don't know. <laughs> so this, this guy's name is Camillo Negroni and I'm going to, I'm going to assume it's Camillo and not Camillo. Yeah. That's mm. Spanish. Should I say Camillo? No, that's Spanish. Camillo. Yeah. But Camillo would be yeah. the Italian. Right. Okay. So there are letters in 1920 in which he says, this is like proof of like his knowledge of the Negroni. He said, y- you say you are happy and you drink, smoke and laugh, I'm sure, just as much as ever. I feel you are not much to be pitied. You must take more than 20 Negronis in one day. So he's alluding to a cocktail that's named after him. Anyway, so this is the first time the cocktail is mentioned in any writing in 1920. So they thought. Okay. Okay, so this guy's from Florence. Camillo is his name. Okay. Tall tail, handlebar mustache. Okay. Turns out there is evidence that another Count Negroni invented the cocktail in Senegal, West Africa. What? So he was a French Corsican man with the name Count Negroni. He, um, um, his name is Pascal Olivier de Negroni. Now he became a count because he worked in the French army at a young age. He became the commander in the Franco-Prussian wars and he sort of like earned his title. He's not just like this rich dude, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and he engaged in many soirees. Um, Does that mean like lewd activities? I am assuming he was a party boy after his tenure, right? Just like the other one. Yeah, but not quite as like, I get the vibe that Camillo was more of like a... Yeah, he was more like Jack the Ripper. What? What? (laughs) Jack the Ripper. (laughs) I just mean like skulking around in his top hat, drinking his Negroni. It's a bad one without the murder. I got the sense that Camillo's more of like rich boy, like... Like full of himself. Full of himself and... Pascal is more of like a man who earned his title. So anyway, this is a Corsican man. And apparently um, he was said to have introduced his signature vermouth-based cocktail in 1870. So that's 50 years before the other letter was found. um, To the Luneville Officers Club. And paperwork basically proves that he... um, he even write, did you know that vermouth-based cocktail I invented in St. Louis was a great hit? Anyway, so there's evidence that he created this cocktail 50 years before. Does he mm. use the word Negroni? No. Mm. But apparently it was his signature drink. Hmm. So... But it doesn't even necessarily have all the ingredients. He just mentioned something right. with vermouth. Right. And... Um, in 1870, that's when the letter was addressed. And apparently, um, well, yeah. And Campari was created in 1860. 
So Campari was around, but was Campari in West West Africa? Yeah, that seems weird. Also, what are the chances of two guys named Negroni right? who both claim that they invented this cocktail? Right? To You're tell- doubting the whole thing. I don't know. One yeah. of them had to have created it. I don't know. I just found that super interesting because, I mean, I love a little drama. But the evidence for this second guy was hidden away or something like that, right? Oh, yeah. I should mention that. Another big, like, dirty detail is that the Negroni family of Camillo's family. The original Negroni. The original Negroni bro. Camillo's family hid this paperwork so people couldn't find it for a long time. Oh. Which is sus. Yeah. (laughs) So... Camillo is sus. Camillo is mm. sus. Mm-hmm. The Negroni family is sus. Yeah. I don't care though because we're drinking Negronis now. So True. it doesn't really matter. Mm-mm. This is taking on a very drunk Listen, history vibe. Camillo, right? nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> See your way Actually, out. we kind of care, but I don't know. I don't trust either of these dudes. I don't trust them. Or either of these histories, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and also even Campari is claiming that it's all about the unification of Italy, but it was made <laughs> ten years before it's unified. So, but you know what? We're just gonna say these are the legends surrounding Negroni. Exactly, yeah. there has to be a legend. Mm-hmm. So, okay, do you like the Americano more than the Negroni? I think so, but yeah. I still don't think I would order this either. Like this is still got the bitter, but like it's sweeter. Yeah, but I would just. Because, yeah, I don't love Campari. Yeah. I will have to say, to me, I don't think the Negroni can really hold up against, like, my absolute favorite drinks of all time. Like, if I have a scotch that I really like, it feels like a full meal and, like, just extremely delicious. I don't know Mm -hmm. that Negronis have that high level of deliciousness, Mm -hmm. but it does, for me, it's such a great thing to have before dinner because it is... Just this unique flavor, and it's very bitter, and it's something that you can kind of, like, slowly sip on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, yeah, it kind of gets you a little lit before dinner. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> um, I don't know. Definitely a fan. Do I think you like, I like the Americano? No, more? I like the, the Negroni more, for sure. Mm. I just it's think more there's time. more there. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is, like, more interesting. But the interest is still something I'm not super <laughs> interested That's in. That's because Sarah's yeah. been tainted by her barrel-aged gin. I know. Which is really good. So we'll get there. So I think the next one we're going to make is a Negroni Spagliato. I can never say it. Say it. Spagliato. 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 Yeah. Which just means a mistake. Or messed up. Yeah. Okay. So that is... Well, anyway. I'm going to make that. And then why don't you make us your barrel-aged one? Okay. And then we'll come back and taste those. Okay. Cool. Be right back. And we're back. Are we live? Yes. Yeah, All we're right. Good? We're back. We're back. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sarah, why don't you talk about what you've made? Okay. So very simple. It's a barrel-aged Negroni where you just use barrel-aged gin instead of regular gin. Still one-to-one-to-one? Yeah. That's a, I think that's how I normally make it. When I'm at home making this, I will often swap the Campari for a different Amaro that I have. Because mm-hmm. like I said, I don't love Campari. So also, I don't know if you're planning to talk about this, but if you make a normal Negroni but with whiskey 
instead of gin. It's called a boulevardier. Yes. So I feel like this is kind of like a cross between the two because it's yeah. still gin, but it's barrel aged, so it has that whiskey vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I had some notes on that, so we can talk about that. But let's take a sip. Okay. First. Cheers. See that? It's good, right? That's good. What do you think, Luke? Ooh. Isn't that complex? Mm-hmm. That oaky vibe? It's oaky afterward. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> you know what's really good about that? It kind of it mellows out the Campari. The Campari. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think I've also done it where I might do a little less than one part each of the vermouth and the mm-hmm. other thing. So I'm feeling the this already. <laughs> the, ver- the vermouth and, and the, the other thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or well, the other Amaro that you Or the Amaro that I use. Yeah. Yeah. So I might do like two parts barrel aged in and then one part of the other two. This is tasty. You know? This one okay, definitely taste that has, compared to the original. Yeah, good um, idea. The barrel aged Negroni definitely has a much um, longer finish on it. Mm-hmm. Like you can taste it for a lot longer, and there's, yeah. This is more like orangey, brighter. Mm-hmm. So definitely, the original tastes much fruitier. Yes. Yeah. But I also think that's because it's been melting in ice for a little bit. It's true. And the orange peel it's is in less there. less abrasive. But this is. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I also that. usually serve the barrel-aged Negroni with um, one of the fancy Luxardo cherries. Mm. We have those. Mm. Well, if we have them yeah. later. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Do you it, know Luxardo has a liqueur? Oh, I think I've seen that. be interested to use that in some way. Yeah. I like those cherries are so good. So good. Yeah. Once you go to um, Luxardo, you can't go back. This, yeah. <laughs> this, uh, the barrel-aged is really good, like... I hate to like use the word, but it feels like artisanal because you know? <laughs> it tastes like a Negroni, but there's just more to it. It, there's it more, seems like there's something... more flavor, more complexity mm-hmm. packed in there. You but know, it's the same basic. A bartender wouldn't make this. A mixologist would. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, this is what someone would make for you if you're like, listen, like I love whiskey, but I want to try something new and like. I don't really like Negronis or whatever. I don't know. And they'd be like, I'm going to make you something that I think you'll be surprised that you'll enjoy. And then you're like, what are you doing later? What's your sign? (laughs) I'll stir it appropriately. Apparently everyone that gets off a plane entering Portland Oregon gets offered a barrel-aged Negroni. Welcome to Portland. Okay, so I feel like this will be fun to taste side by side because this is like... Okay, so the next one is a Negroni Spagliato. Yep. Spagliato. Which Spagliato means what, Luke? Just like a mistake. Or messed up. You messed up something? Yeah. Okay, so this bad boy right here, before we take a sip, was made by mistake, which is why the name is Negroni Mm -hmm. Mistake, essentially. Okay. Um, At Barbasso in Milan in the 1960s. So it's, there's like a story that basically an apprentice accidentally switched the bottles. So the bartender grabbed what is normally gin, but it ended up being like Prosecco. How do you... I don't know. <laughs> those up or have them in similar Don't bottles. you feel like you would know as soon as it would be like, shh. <laughs> right? 
Okay. And then, yeah, wouldn't you notice before you served it to someone? Are we just cynical? This, this gin is frothy today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. It's been like real newbie yeah. behind the bar. It was just that busy. Yeah. Bar yeah. was just so bar crazy. Bar was popping off in the lawn. Yeah. Or the bartender was just drunk. True. <laughs> so this is like, I think it's like the spritz. It's like if a spritz met in a groni. So let's just all... Is this still one to one to one? This is one to one to one, except you swap out the gin. With Prosecco. You just do sweet vermouth, Campari, and then you just top it with Prosecco. Oh, I like that. That to me is like the spritz's classier aunt. Yeah. Yeah, that's That's refreshing. It is, yeah. It's something you would want to drink on like a summer day. Mm-hmm. All right. It's the summer Negroni. Yeah. 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 I get that. yeah. It does feel lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't Upper have message. the same like syrupiness of the original. Or of any of the other ones we've had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even the um, Americano is a little bit more syrupy than this. Mm-hmm. This one's a lot lighter. I did read um, <clears throat> if you like... A Negroni, but the Campari thing is just, like, not your speed. You said using a different Amaro is fine. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who are looking for something more sweet swap out Campari for Aperol. Mm-hmm. I think I've done that, too. Yeah. So, if you're not someone who's super into the, I don't know, syrupiness of Campari. This mm-hmm. make me want to get some Amaros, though, because I feel like I you could just, like, riff on any of these by just yeah. substituting any of the yeah. million amaros out there and it would be interesting to take one drink and mm. kind of what we're doing here but like mm. replace the amaro in each one and see how it changes it because mm. i think it would be hard to know how different i think it's technically amari is the uh mm-hmm. plural like how they affect a drink right. well, i mean some people do drink them on their own but i would yeah. get it more for mixing into cocktails so the boulevardier we didn't make today because we're doing enough yeah um, also we were considering doing a white negroni wait why aren't we doing that we should do the boulevardier we have the stuff <laughs> i mean let's do it what do we have do next to, round we, we have, have that and then we have your count mast okay. what's so with we, the count mast just count mast oh well then let's do the boulevardier all right and okay all right fine. fired so up it's new year's eve all right <laughs> be be right back change of plans be right back all right we're back <laughs> With two more, Luke made us a Boulevardier and a Count Mast. So let's do the Boulevardier first. That's the more red one. More red one. So this is replacing the gin with bourbon or rye. We used. Did we use bourbon or just? We used Old Tub. Remember? But is it bourbon? It's a bourbon. (laughs) Okay. Old Tub. Old Tub. Old Tub tub is an unfiltered version of Jim Beam. So that sort of like replaced the gin, right? Yeah. So and you still did right. a one to one to one. So we have yeah. to do we have to do okay. the Italian toast, right, for this one. Careful. Okay. Just because we haven't yet. So salute. True. Salute. Okay, and this has lemon in it. Salute. No, this is orange. Oh, it is. The next one's lemon. Oh, okay. Um. So the translation of this name is "Man About Town." <laughs> Luke and I just made the same face. You and I My just way. made the kombucha girl face. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> That is true, actually. This is good. Yeah. I'm See? Into, I'm into this. The barrel-aged Negroni is, like, almost there, and then you get this, and you're like, oh, right, I just like whiskey. Yeah. 
Well True. said. I actually completely agree with that. It this has, is so good. It has a little bit more of like good. a warm and cozy taste. But still sweet. It, I feel like it replaces yeah. a lot of the bitter with sweet. And like the brightness of a gin with a little bit more of like a tamed down, <laughs> yeah. cozy feel. So the name is Man About Town and it was made by Erskine Gwynn. Wait, Boulevardier means Man About Town? Yeah. In what language? In French. French. Oh, okay. Um, Just but, about boulevard. <laughs> so you're a boulevardier. That means you're like. Oh, you know, I'm a man of the street. Boom! But it doesn't. It's not like being a woman uh-huh. on the street. <laughs> yeah, uh, woman on the street. You know. Or it sexism. doesn't. <laughs> Just, man of, it's just going here. It's just yeah, it's, yeah. Because it, you can be a man of the street and it's totally cool, but if you're a woman of the yeah, street, yeah. Because doesn't man about town kind of mean like you're getting into everything? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Again, I'm a man about again, town. Positive thing, right? Not a negative thing. <laughs> yeah, like look at him. Okay, a man okay, about town. Boulevardier was a magazine for expats living in Paris in the 1920s. Okay, this was named after that. Um, because the publisher made this. The publisher of Boulevardier was named Erskine Gwynn. Later in 1927, the book Barflies and Cocktails, in which Gwynn is credited as the creator, basically, like, this is where it took off. And, mm. yeah, so basically, like, when everybody was leaving the U.S. and being like, peace out, America, we're going mm-hmm. to France. Okay. Oh, and that's because, yeah, bourbon is a yeah. American thing. So they brought this over, okay. and that's sort of, like... The creator of Boulevardier magazine made this. I would also like to point out that we're drinking all these in like tea little cups. Japanese teacups <laughs> <laughs> that Luke made. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> hand tossed. Well, some of them. Yeah, some of them. Some. Of them. This hand-tossed, one is hand thrown. Wow. Hand thrown. Yeah. Hand tossed like hand dominoes. It's <laughs> like dominoes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> they are beautifully done. We actually mm-hmm. do have a few cups that Laura got when we were in Japan. True. These are my favorite. Some that I made. Yeah. These are yeah. My, probably my most prized travel possession I've gotten. They're oh, pretty. There yeah. Is. They are pretty, yeah. Anyway. From Kyoto. Kyoto. And they were cheap, too. Like, we just got them at... We were, we were at a little, like, ceramic... Market. No, it was like a. Th- no, no, it was an antique market. Okay, yeah, but there was a ceramic mm. stall there. But yeah, was, cool. I'm trying yeah. the Boulevardier next to the barrel aged. Ooh, good, good idea. I'm gonna do the same. Because that one, I feel like the Campari still comes, and the Vermouth <laughs> is more forward than in the Boulevardier. Yeah. Well, the whiskey kind of takes center stage a little more. Well, I kind of. I gotta say the bourbon, sorry, the barrel aged gin mm-hmm. in this. I think this is my fave. Mm. I think, excluding the Negroni Spagliato, which is like mm. not even in the same category in a lot of these because it's so yeah. I do like that a lot. Sippable. That's for drinking by the pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, it's like. The barrel-aged gin, it's either the vermouth or the Campari that's more forward, and the Boulevardi is the opposite one. Yeah. But I'm not sure which is which. Also, this has been mellowing out nice, mm. so... That is another thing True. Yeah. that's definitely going on with... Um, yeah. Yeah. That's well, the barrel-aged one. Also, isn't this um, Boulevardi similar to a Manhattan? So Manhattan has sweet vermouth. And What's the difference between this and a Manhattan? Should I look up what a Manhattan is? Yeah, look it up. Yeah, look it up. Um, so the other recipe we didn't include was a white Negroni, which I think 
Sarah and I will do in a later episode just yeah, for fun. Hopefully. Um, but they didn't have one of the ingredients in basically all of Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. So anyway, the white Negroni basically replaces everything. <laughs> like the gin's still in there, but okay. um, it replaces um, Campari with Lillette Blanc. Okay, yeah. I've heard and of then that. Um, vermouth with Suze. Are they Liqueur? both French things? Yes, they're both French. Well, actually, Seuss is Swiss, I think. Oh, okay. Um, but that, to me, sounds really interesting because it's the um, man who made it wanted to make a riff on a Negroni with mm. gin, but wanted to basically replace Campari totally, mm-hmm. but get the same sort of feel. Okay. So, hmm. Lillette's like a wine-based aperitif. Yeah. So, it's less, I guess, like herbal herbal and orange mm-hmm. um and Sue's is like a bitter but i i haven't had Sue's. i have no idea what it tastes like but yeah sounds interesting to me can we get to our last one though wait did you find out what's going on yeah what's in manhattan manhattan mm-hmm. remind us manhattan is two ounces of bourbon or rye sweet vermouth angostura bitters orange bitters and for garnish brandy Brandy so, cherry. No Campari. Okay. So it's pretty But similar. like you get like the orange and yeah. like the cherry kind of replicate it's a Campari kind of true. a thing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's pretty similar. Interesting. It's probably a little less bitter forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's got more bourbon to it yeah. as well because it's two ounces of the bourbon to just one ounce yeah. of the But yeah, I'd say overall the like flavor palette is roughly the same. Yeah. So all right, our For last sure, one. because it has the Angostura bitters and orange bitters would just be the equivalent of the right. Campari. Yeah. But right. like just so a dash almost, of it. But it's a dash. It's not like yeah. an ounce at right. all. But that's probably why I like it. Yeah. Because <laughs> Sarah, we're learning. Sarah doesn't really like Campari. Not that much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our last one is a Count Mass Negroni. <laughs> Do In we which, have a backstory for this yeah, one? Yeah, we do. Do you want to read it? Oh, what do you have? I don't have you? much. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't find much, actually. Well. You went to Jägermeister's website. I did, indeed, go to Well, first of all, tell everyone Meisters. what account Mass Negroni is. Like, how do you make it? Um, well, you're just replacing the um, Campari with Jäger. So it's gin, Jaeger, and sweet vermouth. So Jaeger takes the place of Campari. Yeah, Jaeger is kind of your Amaro in this. But Jaeger is an anise. Mm-hmm. It's like licorice Like licorice. Yeah. So basically what I found out, first of all, you have to know that Jaegermeister on my mom's side of the family, yeah. <laughs> the only side of my family more or less, uh, is like sort of like the communal drink. Um, but I actually didn't know almost any of this before looking it up for this podcast. We've just been drinking it and singing about it and <laughs> whatever. Um, so first of all, uh, it's called a Count Mass Negroni because Mass is the last name of the people who basically started the Negroni line. Oh, okay. Oh, you Negroni? mean the Jägermeister line? I mean, line? yeah, the Jägermeister line. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Basically, it was made as a drink for hunters. I'll read mm. what it says um, in, the, mm. in the very like uh, beginning of the Jägermeister. The stuff of legend. Wait, is this talking just about Jäger or yeah. about this Negroni? This about is Jaeger. straight from Jägermeister's okay. website. Okay. I mean, it's just... Okay. Steeped in history, surrounded by nature, and with Berlin on its doorstep... Uh, the lower Saxon town of Wolfenbüttel, like the drink it gave rise to, is a blend of all the best ingredients. With a prestigious history as a hub of arts and science, we like to think one of its greatest masterpieces was inspiring the creation of Jägermeister. <laughs> um, our striking logo, which is that of a deer with a little cross above its head, uh, our striking logo draws. Is that how they described it? No, I'm it? telling you that. Our, our I'm, saying, I'm saying logo. that for the podcast listeners. Um, it comes from the tale of Saint uh, Hubertus. I don't know. Pronunciation okay. is uh, once a wild huntsman. Hubertus had a vision of a mighty stag carrying a glowing cross between its antlers. He had a vision. Was he uh-huh. tripping? He was on Jesus. Uh, oh, okay. The vision transformed him, and afterwards he championed a greater respect for nature, eventually becoming known as the patron, patron saint of hunters. Um, Kurt Mast, a.k.a. the Count Mast, there Kurt Mast, uh, thought this powerful story was a perfect match to his potent elixir and adopted the emblem of the stag in honor of the true hunting master, which Jägermeister means hunting master. Oh. Is it supposed to just, like, warm them up when they're out or something right and even the design of the bottle is very woodsy it's supposed to be able to withstand the elements like you can just Uh, set this sucker down in the middle of a a, you know blizzard and then you just drink it it's also green and it's foresty it's a a a mix of 56 botanical ingredients oh wow so can't can't match campari no however (laughs) many that was that was like 80 Same idea. Okay, I think that's enough history. Okay. And by the way, this was definitely a Jägermeister made cocktail. Oh, okay. So this is straight from Jägermeister's own. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. This is not like so some vermouth, mixologist. Jaeger. They okay. just like did it as like, hey, yeah. some people will make a podcast one day and like we can get on it. Yeah. So, okay. Vermouth, cool. Jäger. Right. So, well, we're doing the, so. Oh, how do we do? Smelling it. How do we do this? We can just say, okay, and it's lemon. That's the difference in garnish yeah. too. How do Prost. we Prost. Prost. That's okay. That's Thought we were gonna sing the Jaeger song. <laughs> I don't think so. That would be embarrassing for all of us right now. Mmm. Mm, no. You can actually taste the lemon a lot. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I'm just gonna say this right now. This to me tastes like if Pizzell cookie. <laughs> you had that on lock. <laughs> Stop. This tastes it like doesn't taste like a Pizzell. It does. If I gave, if I made it's, you yeah. a fresh pizzelle yeah, cookie, I'm, I would agree. Also, it's pizzelle. I should correct myself. But I thought you liked those. I do, but I don't want to drink it. Mm. I think I'd rather drink it than eat it. Mm. So this, I feel like the Jaeger just takes over in this, though. Yeah, I feel like all I do is I'm not tasting anything else but the Jaeger. The question is, would you rather drink this or just drink iced Jaeger? I think I'd just rather drink iced Jaeger. Yeah, maybe just Jaeger. Should we try it? <laughs> I think we've had enough on this podcast. I feel like after we've had pasta, then we can do that. Yeah. Okay, so this is nothing like the rest yeah. of the cocktails. 
By the That's way, we true. got we got this from a roundup of um, like um, I think the name of the article is Negroni spinoffs you should try by Savor Magazine. So okay. or Savor's website. So we'll link that. But they had a whole bunch of different ones. But to me, it, this does not scream a spinoff of a Negroni. It tastes like watered down Jägermeister with a lot of lemon in that, it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's not. It's not that. I think my, I mean, for nostalgic purposes, the Negroni is a favorite for me. But I think in terms of if I was just blind taste testing, the barrel aged and also the Boulevardier, the Boulevardier were See, definitely good. Yeah, for me, mm-hmm. it's barrel aged classic Negroni Spagliato. Really? Yeah. Before the Boulevardier, I like I like the whiskey. I don't know. I the, just feel like hmm. when I want a Negroni, I don't want that. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. and I—that's why I'm saying the classic for me. It's like if I want a Negroni, I'm just going to get the classic because that's the it's flavor good. that I'm used mm. to and that I really like. But I think I would just order a Manhattan though if I wanted yeah. that taste. But even of these, I think for me, I like the Boulevardier the best. But sometimes I am in the mood for the barrel aged, mm-hmm. so that's my second favorite. And then third favorite for me is probably the Spagliato, mm-hmm. the Prosecco one. Yeah. Because that's like very spritzy. Washes down easy. Yeah. Summary. Yeah. I, I guess I had just have a problem with gin and Campari. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the bulk of Negroni. Yeah. I'm, I don't love. Mm-hmm. One thing Sorry. I also should mention is we used a very basic sweet vermouth for all of these. That's true. If we had used a more elevated. Yeah. Because the world of vermouths is cray cray. <laughs> Did not know that. And Pennsylvania wine and spirits does not indulge. I was going to no, say, exactly. I, I didn't really know that because this is the only sweet vermouth I've ever seen in my life. I know. <laughs> really? That one? This, yeah, yeah. This, the Spatola. Oh, yeah. I think the one I've gotten is different. Okay. There's there's definitely some But it's not the good but one. But there's like three options. Like, yeah. I mean, really. If that. So, I guess what I'm saying is there's probably a Negroni for every person out there. Yeah, just find your Negroni. You gotta find. You gotta find your Negroni. <laughs> that should be the new subtitle of this podcast. <laughs> find your Negroni. Find your Negroni. Yeah, La Bella Vita. <laughs> La Vita All Bella. Right. However you want to say it. Anyway, cheers. Cheers. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Find your Negroni. Find your Negroni. <laughs> Listener question. Yes. This one comes from KBD Julius on Instagram. They ask, can we talk about hosting parties slash dinners? And I guess we'll talk about this pre and post COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Two different worlds. Can you imagine a post COVID world? (laughs) I mean, one can dream. (laughs) Yeah. Pre COVID. I loved a dinner party. Mm -hmm. As I got older from like the bar days of my, Youth, <laughs> the dinner party reigns supreme. Yeah, and it's a shame that you guys moved in this I new know. house and like that's not something you guys can really do yet. I know. I know. Eventually, we will. Like, mm-hmm. I do like how open the kitchen is for hosting and stuff because I feel like that's always a place people gather. So yeah, 
One day we'll host, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But you hosted quite a few dinner parties. Yeah. So I I think she's asking about like tips for hosting dinner yes. parties. Yes. So my tip is definitely like delegate some things to your guests. Like if you feel comfortable doing that, like maybe have somebody bring a bag of ice in a cooler because you always forget that you need a yes. ton of ice, especially if you're having like cocktails or something. And even though, like, my freezer makes ice, never, you will go through it so fast. Never as fast as it needs to be made. <laughs> so definitely have backup ice. Um, also, there's really nothing wrong with being like, I'm handling the main course, so everyone else, you bring a mm-hmm. salad, you bring a side. Yeah, or bring a dessert, yeah. or maybe if you can bring, like, a bottle of wine or some beer that you might want to have. Yeah. Or... Um, I forget what I was going to say. But, yeah, like, yeah. if that's something you guys feel comfortable doing then go ahead and take some things off your plate. But otherwise, anything that you are making, like do as much ahead of time as you can. So sometimes that requires being a little creative or understanding how the recipe works. And I mean, other people say like, don't make something you've never made before, but I feel like life's too short. And as long as your friends are chill (laughs) and like, Hey, if it turns out bad, worst case scenario, you order a pizza. Um, you know, that's not really what matters. Also, so. there's no shame in like going to a store and buying something that's pre-made mm-hmm. and sticking it in a bowl. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I did that once where, um, oh yeah, it was uh, a pig roast. <laughs> and this was like the last event I went through, I went to before COVID really mm. shut down everything. Mm-hmm. And it was a birthday party. It was Sarah's birthday, uh, Sarah. Luke's uh, sister-in-law's mm. birthday party, whole thing. But everyone was supposed to bring a side, and she asked us to bring applesauce. And I'm like, I'm not making applesauce. No. So you know what I did? I bought Mott's. Yeah. Stuck it in a did big you old put cinnamon thing, on put top. Cinnamon on top. Yeah. No one knew the wiser. So yeah. Hey, it's not cheating. <laughs> you know exactly. So yeah. Um, yeah, and even if you aren't delegating as much, if there are things like that for the side that you can get from somewhere else, even like, you know, have it be like partially catered or I know. something. Like yeah. maybe you focus on like the big main show stopping dish, but everything else is like kind of a little pre prepared or something. Yeah. Um, because like the worst thing is to have a dinner party where you are so frazzled that yeah, you don't enjoy it. You no. can't hang out with people or you're just in the kitchen the whole time and you're like running around. And, yeah. You know, try, also try to find a, a dish that you can like sort of set and forget. Like you can mm-hmm. sort of have it be done so you can actually enjoy it too. And you're not slaving in the kitchen the entire yeah. time, you know? Yeah. If it's like something where you do a lot of the prep and then it goes in the oven and then it makes right. your house smell amazing. Cause I know? also try to get the kitchen as clean as possible yes. before people get there. So like things are just kind of finishing up, but everything else is cleaned up. So it doesn't, yes. cause you're going to make more of a mess when everyone's there. Yeah. So, Ooh, another thing, um, if you want to do a theme, sometimes that gets people more interested in like mm. adding something. Depends on the friend group, but I yeah. feel like having a theme is fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah. did a Gilmore Girls themed dinner party. Yeah, that many was moons fun. ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think if you're just like having one sort of cultural food party, like if you wanted mm-hmm. to have a 
Tex-Mex mm-hmm. dinner party or something like that. Or, or like we did I our did a um, thing too. That was fun. Thing. Um, I've done cookbook parties. Yeah. Um, so, and that is like a good way to get everyone involved too. And even if they don't have the book, but you have the book and you can give them a recipe from the book to make. Yeah. Um, you guys can do stuff like that. So yeah, I would just say like, I mean, the worst thing is to like never have a dinner party because it seems like too much. Yeah. So just figure out what makes sense for you. Yeah. And then do that. And whatever it is, like take the pressure off. Yeah. Just the whole point is gathering Mm -hmm. over food. So yeah. Or maybe you like make a really good dip or something as like an appetizer, like and make dessert, but then you like order pizza. Yeah, you know. Like, also, what about just having a dip dinner party? Yeah, I mean that's Who what would everyone hate that <laughs> wants to eat anyway. Yeah. Just do like all appetizers. That would yeah. be fun. Yeah. So I guess there's like no rules as far as dinner parties go. Yeah, this is not 1954. Psh, no, we're not in Mad Men or whatever. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I do miss dinner parties. I really look forward to one day having one here. Yeah. Although I wonder, like, I mean, every now and then I do get the urge to, like, wear real clothes and go out. But, like, although a lot of times our friends are also like, hey, we're having people over, but, like, it's a sweatpants party. (laughs) Literally today. (laughs) Like, basically anytime. It's like... We're all going to be just, like, drinking and eating food, so let's be comfortable. Like, yeah, exactly. You don't need to wear your, like, high-waisted jeans to this event. No. <laughs> Unless stated otherwise, you can always assume that leggings are acceptable in my house. Yeah, same. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like dress-up is fun, and especially after mm-hmm. COVID is, I mean, when will it ever be done? But, you know, when mm-hmm. things sort of return back to normal. Yeah. Things like that will be fun, but after mm-hmm. that, we can just all agree that yeah, back to sweatpants. back to sweatpants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, recommendations. Okay, my recommendation is something we mentioned in a previous episode. Since mac and cheese is the theme of season three <laughs> of this podcast, yeah, I tried the Melissa Clark stovetop mac and cheese. Oh yeah. So I have reports. Um, I do recommend it though. That's why it's. Part of our recommendations. And this is a, like, explain what this is for people who don't know what it is. Okay, so this is, like, a homemade alternative to boxed mac and cheese. Yes. So I will say it is not as fast or convenient as actual, like, Cracker Barrel Sharp White Cheddar mac and cheese dinner. Yes. Um, Where it literally comes out of the pouch. Yes. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, exactly A like glob that. of deliciousness. <laughs> yeah. But compared to, like, a true mac and cheese where you, like, make a roux and then, like, make this whole sauce and then you cook the noodles and then you probably put it together and then you bake it, like, that's a whole thing. So this recipe is way closer to box mac and cheese in terms of ease and convenience. So the way it works is you, um, you like, cook your pasta and then in that pot – or you could – Kind of, next time I would maybe make the sauce in a separate pot and then like with a spider strainer or something, take the pasta straight out of the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, but all you do is cook a little bit of heavy cream in a pot. So it like bubbles up and gets a little thicker mm-hmm. and then add a ton of really good grated cheese to it. And so then you make like, like a roux and then add cheese. Is that you don't even make a roux. You just like basically cook the heavy cream a little. 
and add cheese to it until the cheese melts. And then you can add like a pinch of nutmeg and like black pepper. And does hers have like a a top, like a breadcrumb situation? No. no. See, I feel like if I'm going through the process, <laughs> I want a breadcrumb top. Well, but you don't, you don't like it bake it? it. It doesn't need it. Okay. But I will say that, so when I did it, I had to tweak the recipe slightly because I had like a little less pasta than what it called for. So I did like a little bit less of the other ingredients. And I think I might have like overcooked the heavy cream because once I added the cheese, it was like so thick. It was basically just melted cheese. <laughs> so I, I was like adding back in some heavy cream. So I would maybe just kind of like put the heavy cream in until it like starts to bubble and then just add the cheese. Um, but overall, I mean, it was delicious. It just tasted like really good cheese. So Which, who hates that? Yeah. And then I feel like it also reheated better than box mac and cheese too. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, I think the, how good this is will depend on the quality of the cheese that you use. True. But like I said, in like on the scale of like box mac and cheese to real deal mac and cheese, it's like one step above box mac and cheese, but the flavor is really good. Well, since we're on the topic of mac and cheese. <laughs> is this your recommendation? Too? No. Oh, okay. no. But this made me think of that. I was like, oh, wait, like cooking through Italy thing. Um, my second recipe is going to be cacio e pepe, okay. which is the OG mac and cheese. Yeah. Like, because what are the ingredients for that? Literally cheese, pepper, noodles and the magic ingredient which is the starchy pasta water okay and there's a process you have to you have to like tend it you have to Uh sort of like care for it you know nourish it love it whatever Mm -hmm. and um there's you're basically kind of like making the noodles almost in a risotto style because you Mm. sort of have to let it cook in okay reduced starchy pasta water so it gets really really starchy and then you add the cheese mixture in okay i mean we're gonna make it tonight but yeah yeah i'm gonna have to really pay attention when we make yeah it's fun but it's also like it is the original mac and cheese (laughs) so like when little kids would just have like buttered noodles with parmesan cheese they were basically having like poor man's cacio e pepe yes except cacio e pepe traditionalists will tell you no butter no cream none of that Mm. like okay so it if you just put shredded cheese on top of like plain noodles, there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. But of course, like the emulsion that happens with yeah. everything um, makes this cream. It, ma- it makes it creamy. It tastes yeah. just like you put butter or olive oil or something mm-hmm. in there, but it's just starch water okay. and cheese. Wow. Okay. Amazing. I'm excited to eat it tonight. Who knew that mac and cheese would have such an impact on this season? <laughs> I know. Well, I want to try hers too, especially if you made a big batch. You could like have it, and it wasn't even that big. I I end up with like two pretty large servings because I think it called for eight ounces of pasta, but I had like five and a no six and a half or something. Yeah, yeah. So, but then like it's eight ounces of pasta, and you use like a third of a cup of heavy cream. Mm Hmm. And then like five ounces of cheese or something. So, I mean, I feel yeah. like you could double that. <laughs> yeah, have it for yeah. a whole week, and it would be super easy to scale up if you did like a whole box of pasta. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, mm-hmm. my recommendation. I'm gonna okay. I'm organizing my life. <laughs> 
Sometimes you need a planner. Oh, you got like a real planner? A paper planner. Mm. Okay. So I was at Target, as one does. (laughs) And this is a collaboration between the Every Girl. Mm -hmm. It's like a website. Yeah. um, And Day Designer. And Mm. they sell it at Target. But I like it because it gives you daily to-do lists. Yeah. So you can like write your top three. Nice. And then I'm using it to keep myself organized for blog stuff since I'm somehow trying to make this happen in the <laughs> first half of the year. Mm-hmm. So I bought these little stickers. Oh, the teacher in you. I know, right? Out. <laughs> I love this stuff. <laughs> I texted my mom because she's every year we used to like look forward to. Going to Staples and yeah. getting new pencils. <laughs> anyway, for the school year. But um, these are from Post-It. They have like a millennial-esque brand called Noted. <laughs> but they okay. have all these very like Post-It note sticker things for like bullet journals, I guess. Mm. But sometimes you need a paper planner. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like I love being able to go on Google Calendar and like – at events and stuff if you're mm-hmm. collaborating. But I like a to-do list where I can cross it off. Mm-hmm. And this is what that does for me. Nice. Also, this has – it's titled My Career. I don't really think – I didn't get it for that reason. But mm-hmm. I do, like, at the end of the month, they have a monthly review. Personal wins, what I learned, important goals met. Ways I took care of myself, key purchases, I'm grateful for, how I can improve, goal for next month. Which I thought was nice because yeah, it's a little reflective. Mm-hmm. They have like other career tips on here, but I got it mostly to check in every month, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. So, I like this planner. They had other ones too. They had like a 30-day challenge one. Oh. So if you are interested in challenges, they had that. That's Look, neat. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. All right. Well. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully the Negroni portion went well. We don't know yet. We're That's in the future. We are now in the past. Yes. So. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, but thanks for listening. Yes. <laughs> if you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Yes. And don't forget, you can always follow up with us on questions or food or travel or anything um, on Instagram at Passport Pizza Pod, or you can leave us a voicemail at 717-964-0215. And you can find our show notes with all the links for everything that we talked about and recommendations and stuff at our website, passportsandpizza.com. Yes. So we'll have all the recipes and yeah stuff like that on there. So if you're hoping to make your own little Negroni night... Yeah, check just out the hop website. over there. Yes. And if you want to see what we're up to day to day, give us a follow. Sarah is at Sarah underscore Cornelius underscore, and I am Rome and Go Lightly. And as always, thank you to Will Gingrich for our theme music. We'll see you next episode. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Woo! Woo! Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Test. That's better. Okay. Yeah. Testing. All right. Testing. That's a lot better. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 